Welcome to Voice of Thunder, where we declare the earth-shattering truths of God's Word about culture, family, and church. I'm your host, Lance McKenzie. Today I want to just do a little talk about why a balance is needed as Christians, and especially if you're a preacher, if you are a theologian, if you are an apologist, whatever your position is within the church, the necessity of a good balance between reason or rationale, whatever you want to call it, uh, the, the rational side, the reason side, the confessional side, the profession side, of Christianity, which is so important. That's why we spend hours in Bible study. That's why we rightly divide the word of truth. That's why we learn Greek. It's why we go in there and we look at culture and we try to study, you know, well, what was the, the marital uh, uh, traditions during the time of Jesus? I mean, that's why we, we look up that kind of stuff. Um, that's why we look at logic and reason, trying to figure out, okay, what's, a, what's the most reasonable way to interpret this particular verse? Um, so it's very important. The, that, that confessional, professional, logical, reasonable side of, of Christianity is a necessity. Because otherwise you can't really call it Christianity without it. It requires a definition uh, and, and a limitation, a box, to truly call it Christianity. Otherwise it can just run free and be whatever you want it to be. Which is why ha- it does happen. Um, that, that does happen. But there's also... The necessary balance of the emotional, experiential, even I'll say mystical side, although I use that word sparingly, I'm not using that word just any which way, uh, mystical in the sense of being like romanticism. Like everything's going to be okay tomorrow, there is a higher purpose in life, not everything's falling apart, non-fatalistic view of life. Um... And experiencing that, and and seeing that in life, and seeing that in your experiences in life, and experiencing that in prayer, and believing and touching God in prayer, and having those Pentecostal, good old-fashioned, hoedown, you know, whatever meetings, uh, having those two in addition to the other. You can't just have one. Um, I want to give a good example, a couple good examples for why I believe that is. Hank... And I'm going to butcher his last name. So I'm going to say it, and I'm going to spell it. Hank Hingraff. Hingraff. H-A-N-E-G-R-A-A-F-F. Also known as the Bible Answer Man. Um, he's written, I'm sure, tons of stuff. I know him as Bible Answer Man. I have a book by him. Um, but uh, people, if you don't know, in 2017... He ended up turning uh, from Protestant Christianity to Orthodox Christianity, or Orthodox, uh, if you want to call it Christianity. Um, Eastern Orthodox is what he became. Um, so, bells and smells is what he became. He became, uh, it's, it's not like, it's similar but different to Roman Catholicism. You can't equate them exactly one one for one but very mystical it is a very mystical religion that is what is very that that, that is the emphasis in um eastern orthodoxy is mysticism 
there is a mystical element to Eastern Orthodoxy, uh, to to the liturgy, to how they do their services, from the candles and the incense and all that, uh, and all of that. There is a mysticism that is there. Um, that's part of the experience of being Eastern Orthodox. Uh, another convert to Eastern Orthodoxy, Francis Schaeffer's son, Francis Schaeffer. Maybe you don't you know who that is, or you don't. Francis Schaeffer. Uh, 80s, maybe? I, I read a, a biography of him. Very, it's an awesome, it's a, it was actually written not from a Protestant Christian perspective, but it actually was still a really good biography. I got to, and was a very, very awesome man. Did a whole lot of incredible things for the Lord. And the, uh, he was actually probably 70s, come to think of it, because he was during the hippie revolution. But his son and him, teamed up and did a whole lot of stuff together. Uh, his son was very involved in his dad's ministry. But his son ended up leaving and turning to Eastern Orthodoxy. Which again is, you know, Francis Schaeffer was an apologist. And he was known for that. He would argue and he had a whole, you know, he would argue with so many young students, college kids. You know, his em- emphasis was um, college students. And so... His son, for years, worked with him and did stuff with him and could, you know, argued along with him. And they were all, they were both, you know, great debaters. But his son ended up leaving and converting to Eastern Orthodoxy. And I think that there are, the, the, the reason for that is the same reason for why you see people that leave fundamentalist circles, whether that be uh, fundamental holiness, Pentecostal holiness, or fundamental Pentecostal, fundamental Assembly of God, or conservative uh, Pentecostal, I think a similar reason, and that is a an imbalance at times that can happen within a group. Uh, in the case I gave of Francis Schaeffer and the Bible Answer Man, um, I, I believe that for them, they lost the balance of the emotional side, the relational side of Christianity, where you're talking with God, where you know God, where there's an intimacy with God. And that, that necessity, you know, where, where, and it's funny because I love in the Apostle Paul, both groups, the, the highly rational and the highly relational sides, they actually go to the same person to prove their points. The highly relational side will go to Paul and say, well, look, you know, I, I didn't preach an uh, incomplete gospel, but with many signs and wonders, I've proclaimed the gospel fully, you know. Um, so, on the one hand, they'll go to Paul. But on the other hand, the... Uh, very uh, rational or logical side, uh, more of the Baptist side, I would say, or, or, or Reformed or whatever you know particular particular group would say. Well, no, no, no. Uh, look, he would go to different synagogues and would debate with them the scriptures and would open the scriptures with them. And it's funny because they both go to the same person to prove their point. And his example, and what that should tell us instead is that that same person understood that there are two sides to Christianity and proclaiming the gospel and being a Christian, and that is the relational and the uh, rational side of Christianity, where on the one hand it is relational, I'm knowing God, I'm knowing people, I'm loving God, loving people, and on the other hand, I'm knowing the God of the Word so I don't misrepresent Him or let my mind skew 
who God really is. I won't let the Bible tell me who God is and not let my experiences try to tell me who that is, but I won't let the Bible tell me lest the enemy, Satan, or the world deceives me. So I want to keep always the word of God in the forefront. And I believe the word of God is sufficient to bring salvation, to bring hope, to bring restoration. So I said all that to say that there is there's two sides to this. And I believe both of those guys struggled because they fell off the bandwagon. Because they, they stopped remembering that you have to have both in Christianity. If you don't have both, then you, you don't end up with an emotionally sufficient gospel. It's, it becomes sufficient in the presence of the king. In the presence of the king. I mean, what good does it do to talk about uh, imputed righteousness? What, what emotional, or, or not even emotional, but what personal touch does that have to your life until in a place of prayer you feel how the imputed righteousness of God now makes you one of his children, not based upon your own goodness or intelligence or whatever, but because of who he is and his graciousness towards you, and that you become one of his children. And you're kept by his loving hand and his care, and that he has now given you his righteousness, made you a child of God, a vessel of honor, and he started pushing onto you his righteousness and his riches. Well, of course, you can debate one thing in a a debate, and it's useful, but the person, the part that is meant to satisfy the inner parts of the man, that's only worked through and accomplished. It's functioned within the matrix of prayer. And, and that's the purpose of prayer. It's to experience God, experience the Spirit, and have the Spirit in, uh, renew your heart and your mind uh, to the Word of God that you have studied. And I, so I believe that's, that's something, you know, our takeaway should be to Always keep that in mind, that we don't lose one side of this thing. As we're studying the Bible, let's not lose just one side of this, but let's make sure we're doing both of these all the time. And for those of you who are listening, maybe you've only ever done relational. You don't, you, you, you couldn't argue your way out of a paper sack when it comes to the Bible. Well, that means you need to do some study. You need to do some research. You need to start pulling out some books on how to study the Bible. There's a lot out there. I have several on my shelf. Um, I'm looking at it right now. Hendrix. Uh, Living by the Book, or Gordon uh, Fee, uh, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Another good one is uh, Grant Osborne, The Hermeneutical Spiral. Um, so there's there's some other ones out there, but those are, you know, I would definitely start with uh, Living by the Book by the Hendricks, and uh, start from there, and then moving into Fee, and then moving into Osborne last, because Osborne's the most complicated. Um, there's some other ones out there, other videos and stuff that are really useful. Uh, to, to help you as you study the Bible, but but you you have to do both, and if you don't do both, you can you can get out of skew, and when you get out of skew, you you can end up doing things and saying things that that are destructive to you as a Christian, and they don't bring the satisfying experience that's needed to keep a balanced Christian in the middle of a topsy turvy world. Uh, so keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Another thing that we might want to keep in mind too, for for those who are trying to see, well, how do I apply this within a Pentecostal experience, you know, Pentecostal conservative, you know, uh, experience or wholeness, Pentecostal wholeness or assembly of God or whatever. How do I, what was my takeaway? Well, your takeaway for this, I think, might be to realize that you can overemphasize something in your ministry. Uh, you know, maybe you so overemphasize, maybe you overemphasize the need to be gruff and to be 
in the face and be confrontational. You know, given that hard truth. And there is a need for hard truth. That's why this podcast was invented. was because I know within myself, there's a tendency to, to, to not present truth and its vitacity. And it's, uh, veracity. Not vitacity. I don't even know if vitacity is a word. It is now, folks. But, so there, there is that danger there in, you know, in how you are presenting either the gospel or preaching or you're doing your ministry. So keeping that in mind. You know, or, or, or perhaps you're so overemphasized in preaching, and there's no teaching in your church. Well, your your sheep are hungry for teaching; they're going to get it from somewhere. And then, so don't get mad if you're Pentecostal holiness whenever they start going online, and you say, "Well, why aren't you coming to us?" Well, because we didn't think you knew anything. <laughs> because, and, and sometimes because your pastors don't. They they really don't. They they can't measure up to the uh, grace that God has given these other teachers. Uh, Sometimes because they have either not done the research themselves or not been provided um, the resources that those pastors have needed to grow and and, and their understanding of Scripture. But um, so keep that in mind that if you're only ever emphasizing one thing, that people are going to jump ship and go to the other side. And that's why, as a minister or or as a child of God or whoever you are, to to keep that balance there, to be working to maintain that balance in your life. So you don't fall off one side or the other, and you keep sheep that are well balanced. If all you ever do is preach the you know hide hair and britches, well, don't be surprised when people that's not sufficient for people because it's not. It's not sufficient for people. That's all you ever preach. It's, of course, that's never going to be sufficient for people. If on the other hand, all you ever preach is as soft grace, and there is no such thing as righteousness, and what what standard do we live by? How do I navigate this Christian life? And you're so afraid of offending somebody, and so afraid of, of providing that well, there are some standards to live by. There is a way to live, um, you know, according to Scripture, and giving some people some general principles by which they can live their life. You know, people are hungry for that. So let's let's not be unbalanced in our view. But, but let's be balanced in it so that way we can help give our sheep what they need to succeed and, and to stay balanced in the topsy-turvy, ups and, up and down world. 